Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of Enroute Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom with Bob Olson, who will now introduce today's show and speaker. Welcome to Joel Avalos and his uh, very interesting pro- uh, program called Joy Oneness. And uh, Joy's had a, I mean, Joe. Joe, Joy, same thing, right, Joe? Joyful Joe, that's me. <laughs> Joyful Joe on uh, Joy Oneness. And this is a program where Joe in, in, includes, or excuse, <clears throat> tries to get everybody to share their their miracles, their uh, experiences with God, and uh, just to share with everybody to show how God's working in their lives. And now here he is, Joe Avalos. Yeah, good to be back, Bob. Had Hi, a wonderful Joe. week. I had a crazy up and down week, but there's a lot of the Holy Spirit going on around here in Danbury with this new program they're doing at St. Joseph's yeah? Church in Danbury. Yeah, Rise Together in Christ is the name of the program, and uh, okay. I volunteered, volunteered to be one of the facilitators, and uh, boy, I'll tell you, if this isn't the program I wanted to do on my own, nothing is. You know, my whole thing about having people share their miracles is what this whole thing is about. It's about... Yeah. 90-minute sessions of people opening in prayer, and then after they open in prayer and introduce each other, it's all, it goes to breaking open your own story, and then breaking open God's story, and then sharing how the Bible reading affects your life, and how you identify with it, and then share a miracle you've had that's comparable to the Bible. And this first week, we're going to be doing uh, Mark 2, 1 through 12, which is the paralytic, which is uh, showing that when a person couldn't get the Christ, that his friends lowered him down in a stretcher to get near Christ, and he received the healing, and he told to take up his mat and walk, and he did. And uh, that's, the first, that's the first gospel reading in this unit, and what a great one to start off with, for people to share on that, how they had to take up their mats and walk themselves, because Christ lit them up, you know, like he did with me. He told me, take up your mat and walk, Joe. I'm tired of you just lounging around down there and vegetating on Budweiser, you know? Take up your mat and walk. And it took him a long time to get through to me, but he certainly did, because my friends were lowering me down on a stretcher. They wanted me to go to AA for so long before I did, it wasn't... It wasn't funny. Many times my friends asked me if I wanted to help, and I said, no thanks, I'll just stay up here. Don't lower me down near Christ. I don't want to be near him. I want to be near the King of Ears. Not the king of God, you know. So your, so your program is where? It's at St. Joseph's Church in Danbury, Connecticut. They're just starting it this Sunday. They have 20 groups, 174 people starting it. Wow. And that's I have, good. I have, they gave me Sunday evening, and I couldn't be happier because that's probably the only time I have available. So my group is meeting Sunday at 630. I've already delivered uh, books to three people because I picked up everybody's book. They said it's better to deliver them personally and started a you know, start talking to yeah. the people before the first class, so I did that, and I still have four people to deliver books to. I have a couple, and they can't come till the second week because there's an 86th birthday party in their family, but uh, they're going to bring cookies the following week, and I have uh, 
uh, a single gentleman that's coming, and I delivered his book, and I delivered a book to another gentleman uh, just before the show, and he's from India, and he's been a Christian all his life, and uh, he goes to some type of Orthodox church, but he's going to St. Joseph's for this, because St. Joseph has opened this up to, to, to everybody, not just the Catholics, which they're supposed to do. Yeah. So. It's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm so grateful that the Lord has put this in my path so that I can act out on what I wanted to do on my own. Right. But with a formal program. And guess who developed this program? This is another God moment for me that really drove me hysterical this week. The Sisters of St. Joseph have the opening page in this Arise book. It's the Sister of St. Joseph who coordinates this whole program. And this has been oh, given yeah. to millions of people all over the world in 140 different countries. Ah. And it works. And I can see by reading the book why it works. It's very similar to the program I was going to develop that I talked to you about. You know, Redeem program where people donate stuff to the church, but right. the whole focus would be for people to share their miracles at a supper. Uh-huh. So there's no supper, but there's a snack, and people are going to be sharing their miracles for six weeks after hearing Bible readings and after hearing personal stories. It's amazing. What a grace, huh, Bob? That's beautiful. God does for us what we can't do for ourselves. He could see that I was having trouble starting something, so he gave me something already started to help with, to keep my ego proper size. What a good God we have, you know? He's always working for us, not against us. And we always work against ourselves, you know? We work against him when we start putting ourselves in charge again. Uh So he throttled me right back and gave me a job helping other people find him. And I'm a facilitator, not an instructor, and that, that's very clear. And that's going to be a big switch for me, because I'm used to teaching, now i got to become used to listening. And I have seven people who are going to be doing this with me, and it's a joint effort, a journey with the Holy Spirit, not with Joe. I'm really looking forward to this on Sunday. I met three beautiful people who are going to be doing it with me already when I delivered the books, and they all have better, better, uh, better spirituality than me. I think they're very humble people. What Sunday are you doing this? This coming Sunday, the eighth, at six thirty, in the dining room at St. Joseph's Parish Center. That, that's the second Sunday in uh, in um, October, then, huh? Right, and then it's six weeks, and then in the Easter season, another six week session starts. Okay, so you'll go every Sunday then. Okay. Every Sunday at 6.30, unless the group changes the time, but it has to be a unanimous decision once the time is set. Everybody has to agree to a time change. Yeah. And there's going to be fellowship afterwards if they want it, but it's not mandatory, and they recommend 15 minutes to a half hour with cookies and coffee or something very simple so people can uh, have a little fellowship after the formal program. Sounds good. Uh, sounds like just what the doctor ordered. Yep. So what else uh, is in Well, I, I had to pick up my friend at the airport that I met at the Passion Retreat yeah. in Queens two weeks ago. Uh-huh. His name's Peter, and we have to talk about that because he asked me to get prayer. But I, wanted, I want to tell a story of how this happened. Uh, I went down to pick up. Peter and his wife at the airport. They were in Hawaii and Seattle, and, uh, you know, they go out sightseeing, and uh, they also do, like, mission work, too. 
and they came back. His wife is a beautiful lady from uh, from the Philippines, and he was a missionary in his early life, and he was going to be a priest, but he decided not to become a priest, but he got authorization to be a lay missionary, and uh, he's traveled all over the world helping people before he got married, and uh, he's a beautiful man. I met him at the retreat, at the Passion Retreat House in New York, and he hired me to pick him up at the airport and to bring him to the airport. So I dropped him off at the airport two weeks ago, and I picked him up Tuesday. And we're coming home. We were sharing miracles all the way back. We're sharing about St. Teresa, little flower. We're sharing some of my locutions. His wife wanted to hear some of the music that went with them. And I drop him off at home, and I go back to the school job that I have now. And yep. I'm, in the, I'm in the playground, and I see that there's a full-time opening at a school where they're sending me next. So I put an application in. And I call Peter and say, Peter, listen, I've been having trouble, maybe because of my age, getting work in Danbury. Would you please pray for me? And he said, I will, Joe, but will you please do something for me? Will you pray for this? And he said, my daughter had twin, twin identical girls on the 26th of September. Wow. Said, wow, that, that's great, Peter, you know. And he says, yes, but there's a little problem. He said, the girls are in needle, neonatal intensive care. And my daughter just had to go back in the hospital for high blood pressure. Now she's in the hospital with the twins while they're in intensive care. He said, will you please pray for them and get your friends to pray for my oh. twin granddaughters and my daughter because they're all in, you know, pretty bad condition. So here's a gentleman. I asked him to pray for me, and I felt so bad. He never even mentioned this on a two-hour ride back from the airport because he didn't want to bring me misery. And then after I asked him to pray for me, it broke him into asking for a prayer for his daughter. So, you know, if you don't ask people for help, imagine how many people could have helped us by prayer if we only asked them to, you know? Yeah. And I'm so happy he asked me to pray for them. So what what I did was I, I contacted Mark in my my charismatic prayer group here in Danbury, and he has a list of 50 people, and every time somebody needs prayers, he sends out a request. So I immediately oh. sent him the story about what happened to send out to his people. And then I, I've been getting this man from Pakistan, a Christian from Pakistan who was on my website, and he asked me if I could help him get Bibles for 60, 60 of his students, ages oh, yeah. uh, eight, 8 through 14. And I said, I'd see if I could set up a sister church program because I don't have the money to do that myself. He actually asked me to come share the word of God in Pakistan if I had a chance. And I said, I can't do that, but if my book does well, I'll, I'll consider doing it next year and meeting you. We teleconference on Messenger through Facebook. And he and his brother are both lay Christian evangelists in Pakistan teaching 60 kids to be Christians. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So I sent him the same prayer request. So him and 60 children are praying for the twins who are children. Yeah. I said, that's powerful. Small voices asking for God's help for two twins. This is the same family that used to help, uh, that she used to drive with. It is? Cut their lawns and all that stuff. Hmm. Was well, that a the same this is a person who just found Cry Oneness on the Internet and started communicating with me, you know, saying, hello, brother, you know, how are you doing? Would you like to come over and share the word in Pakistan? Because he liked the website, you know. No, not the guy from Pakistan, but Peter. 
Oh, Peter was at the Manhattan College Retreat at the Passion Retreat House two yeah. weeks ago. And I met him there, and uh, we hit it off. He was going to help me find a job. He's placed oh, 70 yeah. people already in the past three years in jobs by okay, teaching them how to network market themselves. But don't you have another uh, couple in uh, Stratford that you cut the grass for and stuff like that? Uh, no, I cut the grass for Carol and Tony in Stanford. Yeah, that's what my I meant. Friends from, my friends since grade school, uh, Tony and Carol Vitti. Yeah, good. You know, my friend Tony has an oxic brain injury and he can't do it, so... When I'm down in Stanford, I help Carol with the uh, yard work that Tony used to do. So that's the other part of this program. Uh, you know, together with Christ, the, the program is all about after the gospel reading and after people share how it affects their life, then it gets into putting the gospel into action. In other words, based on what you just shared, how are you going to implement that gospel in your own lives this coming week? Yeah. What are you going? What type of work are you going to do in your community or your family, or uh -huh. maybe just do something you're doing already, but do it a little bit better, based on the gospel reading that you heard? How do you think you can implement it in your life? I'm trying to think. After reading the paralytic uh, Mark Mark two one through twelve, I'm trying to think of how my personal life relates to that, and what I could do. A small thing, it doesn't have to be big, to incorporate that gospel into my life. So I came to the conclusion that what I have to start doing to implement that in my life, because I, I have to share this, I have to be the first sharer to show people how to share the first week. So uh, I, the way I think I have to implement that in my life is I have to be more open to asking other people for help. I normally wouldn't ask them for because my pride would get in the way. Now, what do I? I what, my goal would be to ask one person a day for some type of help I wouldn't ordinarily ask them for. Let's read Mark second, uh, Mark two. You want to read it now? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Hold on, I'll look it up. You have something to share while I'm looking it up? Uh. Yeah. Kind of goes along with what you've been saying. I don't know if I can find it right now. Bill's getting his Bible. Yeah, I'm going to read. I'm going to read Mark. Uh, All right. Mark two, one through twelve. Now. This is your assignment for next week. This is Sunday's reading for the for the Arise program. Okay. Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, 
by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. While Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. And that's it. So, uh, the first time you read it, what did you think? I thought I need to start asking for help. I need to let my friends lower me down a hole in the roof to Jesus, because I'm too stubborn to ask for help. That's what I thought. So, how I implemented it this week, I've been having trouble getting that job in the school system, and I've been substituting out of school. I asked the principal to help me by calling somebody. I asked the janitor to help me by calling somebody. And I asked the principal at the last school I was at to call and give me a reference. And I didn't do that for the last interview, and that was my fault, and that's probably why I didn't get the job, because I didn't ask for help. And Jesus always wants us to break our ego and ask for help. And he put other people in our paths to help us, not just to stand around. So when we're asking people to help us, we're actually even helping the person who helps us do service work for the Lord. And I needed this scripture to remind me of that. I don't have my Bible here, but uh, what does it say in the notes? Do you have notes in your Bible? Uh, I'm online, so this one doesn't have notes. Okay. But there are some that have sermons attached I can look at. Hold on. Yeah. Good thing to talk about. friends who are willing to lower them down a hole in the roof to get close to Jesus. But they'll never know until they ask them. Because most people practice kindness, not people pleasing. And most people wait for you to ask them for help because they don't want you not to do anything on your own. They want you to work for what you get by asking them for help. So if you don't ask people for help, you're not allowing them the benefit of practicing charity with you. The story of Jesus healing the paralytic man raises the question of what the theology of work means for those who do not have the ability to work. The paralytic man, prior to this healing, is incapable of self-supporting work. As such, 
He is dependent on the grace and compassion of those around him for his daily survival. Jesus is impressed by the by the uh, faith of the man's friends. Their faith is active, showing care, compassion, and friendship to someone who is excluded from both the financial and relational rewards of work. In their faith, there is no separation between being and doing. Jesus sees their effort as an act of collective faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Regrettably, the community of faith plays a vanishingly small role in most Christians' work. Lives in the modern West, lives in the modern West. Even if we receive help and encouragement for the workplace from our church, it is almost certain to be individual help and encouragement. In earlier times, most Christians worked alongside the same people they went to church with. So churches could easily apply the scriptures to the shared occupations of laborers, farmers, and householders. In contrast, Western Christians today seldom work in the same locations as others in the same church. Some Christians often work in the same types of jobs as others in their faith communities. So there could be an opportunity to share their work challenges and opportunities with other believers in similar occupations. Yet this seldom happens. Unless we find a way for groups of Christian workers to support one another, grow together, and develop some kind of work-related Christian community, we miss out on the communal nature of faith that is so essential in Mark 2, 3, 1 through 12. In this brief episode, then, we observe three things. Number one, work is intended to benefit those who can't support themselves through work, as well as those who can. And number two, Faith and work are not separate as being and doing, but are integrated into action empowered by God. And number three, work done in faith cries out for a community of faith to support it. Yeah, that's good. So the last part of this actually says, start an Arise program in your church. Because people don't work together anymore and go to church. They work in all different parts of the world, and they, they never see each other except at Mass, and they take the Eucharist and go home, and there's no fellowship in church these days. So this Arise program is a remedy for that. It's going to develop families outside of our families in our church. That's right. Small groups of six or seven people will become a church family cell. Right. And in St. Joseph's, they're going to have 20 different groups. are going to be like 20 families coming to church together with the collective families of everybody who's represented in the small groups, and it's going to solidify the total church. Just like it was in the old days, or just like it is now in Eastern churches, where people work together and go to church together and have fellowship during and after Mass. That's amazing. Well, um... Another thing I do know is uh, the uh, home-based communities of Holy Apostles in uh, Cincinnati, where I work with, you know, they're going to be the models for the communities. Because they've had a lot of experience in home-based communities for years. 
You talking about Sisters of St. Joseph now? No, I'm talking about the whole national and international program of uh, Deacon Wentworth. This is not just the Sisters of St. Joseph. Oh, no, this arise is bigger than that, but it's a, a Sister of St. Joseph that's in the preface of the book congratulating everybody for being involved. It's a Sister of St. Joseph. She's Yeah. Uh, she published the book and wrote the foreword. Oh, yeah? Yep. Are you going to read that? I'm going to get the book and read the uh, the meditation that they wrote in the book. It's really beautiful. Good. It explains the program, too. Good. I have to go get the book. Yeah. So my experience with the Sisters of St. Joseph's was at St. Joseph's Hospital. <clears throat> Sister Danny Marie was the administrator of St. Joseph's Hospital, and uh, there was all Sisters of St. Joseph's in charge of all the floors and the emergency departments when I worked there as a volunteer or as a young person. Yeah, and they're very—they're uh, a working, working group of nuns. You know, they do hospital work and everything else. So, uh, good. They, they put faith into action, like Beautiful. all nuns. They actually serve communities rather than just being a cloistered uh, convent. You know. Yeah. Yep. This is a meditation. Uh, this book is called Sea Sowers. <clears throat> and it says that we all have a seed in within us that needs to be watered. And uh, a mustard seed concept. Like I was talking to you about weeks ago, uh, I believe the Lord has a bunch of seeds all over the world ready, ready to sprout to handle what's going on, you know, in this world right now. Yeah. Look at poor uh, Puerto Rico, you know. People yeah. are dying there just because they have no air conditioning, no water, no food. <clears throat> and now he's finally getting them the help they need. Got a lot of hum in the background. Uh, we have a hum to deal with this week. Huh. Yeah, well, that's. Uh, I guess you're right. It's the hospital bed, huh? I'm not sure. It's not on this end this time, though, I don't think, because I had the squelch before, and I turned off my Bluetooth, and it went away. So. A meditation for sowers, the sowers of the good seeds. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom of God is not only beyond our efforts. It is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that can be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. 
We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effect far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. Women never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future that is not our own. That's a beautiful meditation, isn't it? Really? We are nothing. He is everything. We're the seeds he's going to grow. It's progress, not perfection. This, this seems so like St. Teresa's little way, the way of imperfection. Knowing that we'll never right. be perfect in anything as hard as we try, but trying is what he rates us on. Effort is what counts, not achievement. Progress, not perfection. A little way of love and hope. Sunday was my birthday, and it was St. Teresa's uh, feast day, and it was my 13th anniversary in the program. Oh, yeah. October 1st, yeah. So That's I had a very fault. nice day on Sunday. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't go to the convention because I didn't want to have to pay for hotel rooms because I'm trying to save money. And uh, I stayed in town and went to my meetings and uh, shared my anniversary with my friends and had some cake. Went out and got some ice cream and some food for lunch with Mercy and had a nice peaceful weekend because I've had two crazy weekends in a row at retreats. You know, I went to the Passion Retreat the week before last, and then I went to the Shrine of the Immaculate Conception last weekend. So I decided just to relax, meditate, and let my body and mind rest for a weekend uh, preparing for the course. I had two books I had to read after I picked them up, the... uh, the small group leaders book and the the class book and I've been able to prepare pretty well for Sunday and I still have more preparation to do because I stress you have to be completely ready you know with everything the students need so uh, there's yeah. quite a list of things to do but I'm so grateful I have this opportunity to serve the Lord in a different way you know in a small way not a big way a part yeah. of a team rather than somebody teaching other people or sharing miracles myself, you know, so I'm looking forward to hearing other people's experience with God. And that already happened. The two of the people I called to ask a person, he said, just where they wanted the books brought. And they started yeah. sharing God's stories right away without me asking them to. Yeah, that's one lady, one lady shared how she was having trouble in her marriage, and it, God took care of it. And another guy tonight was sharing how he's been a Christian all his life in, uh, you know, in India, and uh, he had three... When I walked into their house and gave him the book, he had me sit down, and he treated me like a king. It was unbelievable, Bob. His wife is such a humble person. He's such a humble guy. And he had three little beautiful kids there, and he told them to set the table for him. He put the coffee table up to the couch, and his little daughter brought me out hot tea and fruit without me even asking. 
evenings are days of retreat and spiritual reading material. The parish staff can be an excellent resource in these areas. Number five, encourage individual members or the group to participate in the sacramental life, especially the Eucharist, as an expression of Christian spirituality and as fundamental to being church. And number seven, encourage all members to take responsibility for spiritual growth, to share resources with one another, and to challenge the group to a deeper spiritual life. Five elements that are supposed to be covered. Prayer, faith sharing, mutual support, learning, and action. problem-solving, or scripture study. It is an opportunity for an encounter between a person in the concrete circumstances of his or her own life and a loving God, leading to a conversion of heart. The entire faith-sharing process is an expression of prayerful reflection. Guidelines. Each person shares on the level where he or she feels comfortable. Silence is a vital part of the total process. Participants are given time to reflect before any sharing begins, and a period of comfortable silence might occur between sharing by individual participants. Before sharing a second time, participants are encouraged to wait until all others who wish to do so have contributed. The entire community is responsible for participating in faith sharing. Confidentiality Allowing each person to share honestly is essential. What you see here, what you hear here, what you say here, let it stay here. The natural culmination of the sharing should be the action, commitment, the key to spiritual growth of both individuals and community. Here's the nun that wrote the, the preface to the book. I think I'll read the forward because we have quite a bit of time, right? Oh, yeah. And then I'll, I'll give you the name. Forward. Sowing seeds is a powerful image to describe not only the work of small group leaders in the life of the church today, but also the foundational help that this guide provides for such leaders, veteran and new. After spending considerable time reflecting on the practical wisdom offered and the invaluable skills reinforced from chapter to chapter in this book, the image of sowing seeds becomes even more compelling. In the seed lie the life and the future. Written by Marion Zimmer Bradley. Like all of you, I believe passionately in God's dream for this world. I believe that this dream has much to do with our incoming one, becoming one. 
I believe that this dream has much to do with our becoming one. Healed of all divisions, one family of faith, one human family, and one planetary family, desirous that life flourish for all in all its diversity. God's dream is big, and we are small. God's dream is about fullness of life and a future full of hope. Our grasp on life is transitory and fragile. Our vision of life is limited. Making all one is the work of God in Christ, who is laboring to bring it about with our cooperation. Our job is to plant seeds and water the seed already planted. In my own personal life, I have not experienced any more powerful way to cooperate faithfully with this dream of God than by building up small communities of faith, one community at a time. As a sister of St. Joseph, I have been committed to life and community for several decades. What a tremendous gift it was for me to realize early on in my religious life that community was not something reserved for members of religious congregations alone. No community is the gospel value and a call. It is a gift and responsibility of every Christian flowing from our baptisms. There are no such thing as an isolated Christian. Aristotelian exclaimed in the second century, leaders of small Christian communities help provide a communal way for Christians to journey together toward fullness of life in Christ. It is a holy work. It is a participation in the reading of God's harvest. If the leader's guide did, not, did no more than recommend how we as 21st century Christians might learn to listen to one another more effectively with vulnerability, acceptance, expectatory and constancy, it would be well worth the reading. But this is only one contribution this book provides. I suspect that each will move back and Peter, who, like me, uses this guidebook, will move back and forth in claiming the chapters that best respond to their practical questions and those that best rekindle their ministerial call to service. For myself, I was once again inspired by how clearly the authors leads us to see the natural flow from shared faith to shared action, from transformed hearts to helping to transform our world. They provide a chapter that does indeed sound the call for us to be heaven in the world. But much more than simply sounding the call, they provide strategic steps for how we can respond to the call. The invitation to go and serve is at the heart of Jesus' life and ministry and at the heart of every community gathered in Jesus' name. The dynamic movement from community to action and from action back to reflection and combines the rhythm of the Christian journey. This guidebook helps us catch the Spirit's beat and move with it. As someone who learned from Tom Klesler and Mary McGinnis early on how to serve as a small Christian community leader and how to encourage others to share this significant role in the life of community, I marvel at the clarity of their teaching and at the untiring zeal of their commitment to provide the inspiration and skills for the next generation of leaders to take up the essential work of sowing seeds. There are few people in our country, I dare say, in our world, who have believed more deeply, perceived more clearly, or given their lives more passionately for the promotion of small Christian communities in the life 
of the Church and for the sake of the world than Monsignor Tom Kleisler and Sister Mary McGinnis, O.P. Learning from them about the role of leadership in small group development is indeed to sit at the feet of the masters. Yet they have never left the ranks of learners, faithful seed sowers themselves, which is why and how they remember and share so clearly the art and practical skills of forming leaders. The experiential knowledge contained in this guidebook is but so many seeds they sow in the waiting soil of leaders' hearts. I am confident that leaders and potential leaders of small Christian communities will find in this resource book the confidence, reassurance, skills, and inspiration they seek to serve their small group and the church lovingly, wisely, and well. I am so happy to have an opportunity here to thank these two small group leaders for their indefatigable service to the world church, to the church and world. May we who learn from them respond to the grace of sowing seeds of community in our time and place. This little guide makes it possible for us as small Christian community leaders to make that response generously, wholeheartedly, and trustingly. We can do it. God will help. So will this wonderful resource. Catherine T. Nerney, Sister of St. Joseph, Ph.D., Associate Professor of Theology and Spirituality, Chestnut Hill College, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, President of the National Association of Small Christian Community Connections. Say that last part again. <clears throat> President of the National Association of Small Christian Communities Connection. Okay. Catherine Nerney, Sister of St. Joseph, Ph.D., Associate Professor of Theology, Chestnut Hill College, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Oh, I see. Okay. What should they call the name of their book? Well, this book is called The Seed Sowers, Essential for Small Group Leaders. It's the... It's the uh, Facilitators Training Guide for the Arise. Is that the book you're going to be using? That's the uh, Facilitators book. The book for the course is Arise Together in Christ, Season 1, Encountering Christ Today. And season 2 starts in Lent. Season 1 yeah. starts October 8th. It's a six-season session. I think there's six seasons and in, seasons involved. This is the first season, starting uh, six weeks. Then after six weeks, there's an evaluation from both students and uh, group leaders, and then they plan the Easter uh, startup, Lent startup. Continue until people don't want to do it anymore. It's supposed to be a lifetime thing. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's a formation of small groups within churches, and uh, to be—I believe it's to beef up the family concept within churches. You know, God is a family, and He wants that replicated on Earth. That's right. You know. Made in the image and likeness of God. Image is easy, you know, we're all made in His image, but to get His likeness, we have to work at it. 
He's family. He's unity. He's everything. You know, he is, uh, he is a family first, though. That's what I believe. He wants us all to be families. Again, we're not families anymore. We're, we're divided. Our church, 70% of people don't go to church anymore. That's not a family. That's a bunch of rebels. Now, are you, uh, the church that you're in right now is St. Joseph's. Right. Now, is that named after the sisters? They actually have a little home for uh, sick St. Joseph's sisters right on property. Oh, I see. Okay. And they have a grammar school there, too, St. Joseph's School. It's a complex. It's not just a church. It's a school and a, a rectory and a parish center and uh, a, a facility for, for ill-retired uh, people and from the clergy. So it's no small operation to start with, you know. It's one of the larger churches in Danbury. And there's St. Peter's. St. Peter's is pretty big, too. That's right down the street. They have a school, but I don't think they have a, a nursing facility or a parish center as large as the St. Joseph's. And then there's St. Gregory the Greats, who did this program, started it last year. So they're in their second season this year. St. Gregory the Great. Then there's the Sacred Heart Church in Danbury, and there's a Lady of Guadalupe Church in Danbury. Those are the ones I know of so far. One of these ladies who's starting in the program, uh, she goes to Our Lady of Guadalupe, but she's taking this program at St. Joseph's. Yeah, good. So, so far, there's two different churches outside of St. Joseph's involved through two different individuals, and uh, the woman I delivered the book to is bringing her, her teenage son with her to take it with her because she believes he should have it. He's just receiving his confirmation. So it's a family affair there. And then there's a couple who are starting a week late because of an 80th birthday for a relative uh, this Sunday, but they're bringing cookies the second time. And then there's one gentleman I haven't been able to contact yet, and I have to keep trying. And uh, it's going to be a group of seven. It should be just the right size to go accomplish a lot, you know, like a seven-person family guided by the Holy Spirit, I hope. You're bringing in your own members, then. Pardon me? You're bringing in the members of your group. Oh, no. I'm just getting them the material. I'm the facilitator. The oh, church, okay. the church had a, everybody signed up on cards. Oh, I got you. Okay. They, they all had applications, and they circled what days of the week that they wanted to meet. Yeah. And yeah. there's a 10-person ten, committee operating this thing, and they meet, right. and they develop it. And then the 10-person committee sorts out the groups by the times they desire. So the Spirit even determines when people meet, because everybody fills in when they want to meet, and the leaders put together groups and send out notices then they have the facilitators notify everybody so they give everybody seven to eight people and then they have the facilitator contact all the people and get them their materials and speak to them before the first class and give them right. writing assignments so there's not a lot of wasted sharing time so it's a very uh, professional organization I would say I'm very impressed with the way the parish is handling it they have ten people working the whole thing you know getting everything organized a ten man committee Ten man and woman committee. Okay. So my contact is Ann, and she's very nice. You know, she's she's one of the ten. She's one of the ten people that I report to. So they have a very good structure in place. Good. 
All I have to do is, is sit with my group and share. That's all I have to do once everything's rolling, you know. It'll just be seven people following the guidelines and sharing and praying for the Spirit to direct our sharing and praying for each other every week. should be great. Well, we got about ten minutes. Okay. Why don't you lead me in a prayer for my friend Pete and his uh, grandchildren and his daughter, Bob. Let's do a proxy okay. prayer for him. You lead it. For the twins, and uh, I'll give you the names. Please, everybody listening, would you please pray for this family who's having difficulty with, with uh, premature twin girls, identical and a mother who is suffering from high blood pressure after birth and had to be readmitted to the hospital. And uh, they need our prayers. And that's what it's all about, praying for people. And, uh, His name is Peter, and he's a Peter recent is the grandfather. Peter, Peter is the grandfather of the, the twins. And he's a recent friend of uh, Joe's. And uh, actually... Uh, Led him led him to the the, uh, the mercy conference in uh, in uh, Manhattan, right? Right, and I shared this with Peter after he asked me to pray. It's called "Why Bad Things Happen to Good People." We're all broken, so that the light can shine in. And God lets us all fall because He loves picking us up. And people who don't understand why they fall will never understand how much God loves them. So with that in mind, and knowing that God can fix anything, and knowing that these beautiful children need to live in this world that is committing abortion with children, and knowing that God loves everybody and wants children to live a full life, and knowing that Peter and his family have a strong spiritual bond, right. and that his two grandchildren are in the hospital in a critical care unit, neonatal, and his daughter was admitted with high blood pressure, Lord. We pray for you to use this family as an example of what you can do for people who are hurt and injured and how you can heal your children so that we may share miracles about how this happens and increase the faith of people who don't believe in you anymore, Lord, because you are all-powerful and almighty and you love us all. And, Lord, we ask you to please bless this family with a miracle, if it be your will. Give complete healings to Maureen and Evelyn and Clara. And give support to Peter and his wife during this trial, that they may have the grace to deal with whatever you present to them. Right. Lord, we love you, and we ask you humbly for a complete healing for Maureen, Evelyn, and Clara. Evelyn and Clara, the two twin girls, identical twins, born on the 26th of September, through your mercy, Lord. Through your mercy also, Lord, please deliver them from the harm they've suffered during their birth and deliver the mother from this terrible disease of high blood pressure that she obtained by giving birth to two beautiful children. In your mercy, Lord, show them your compassion and healing, Lord. And we, your friends, and your son, we will share this miracle with the whole world if we can, Lord. Please help us to help this family through your almighty hand, Lord. 
Your hand of mercy and love, Lord. Amen. Your hand of fullness and strength, right. Lord. Your love for your family, Lord. Please right. intercede for these people, Blessed Mother Mary. Please intercede for these children, St. Therese, the little flower. St. Anthony, please intercede. St. Joseph, please intercede. Our Lady of Guadalupe, please intercede. Padre Pio, please intercede. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow. They need a lot of mercy. We all do, don't we? The world's in terrible condition these days. The evil one is having his way in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. He even well, used, the names of our, he used the names of our mother and, and Joseph to wreak havoc on, on islands, and his yeah. shrine in Guadalupe of our Blessed Mother was damaged mm-hmm. by earthquakes. The evil one needs to be tamed, Lord. That's right. Please tighten his chain, Lord. I have a I have uh, a friend here that wants to do some uh, some ministry on me. So uh, I know we have a few minutes left, but why don't we sign off early and say that we'll be back again next week, next uh, same time with Fly uh, Oneness with Joe Avalos. And in the meantime, may God bless us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Amen, Bob. God bless you. I pray you'll get a complete healing, Bob. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.